If you're looking to start a podcast and already have a podcast and you're looking for an affordable podcasting hosting site, Podbeam is your number one choice. Podbeam offers statistics with in-depth analytics to manage your podcast needs. Use the promo code podbeam.com slash pbsignup and get a free month off. That's podbeam.com slash pbsignup to get a free month off and see why 1,500 episodes have been shared all over the world in the past 11 years with over 3,000 subscribers that have chose Podbeam as their number one hosting site. Podcast City Network. You're listening to The Everest Lee Show. Welcome everyone to the Everett Lee Show podcast. I am the Everett Lee. Quick shout out to everyone who follows me on social media and of course Podcast City Network, the official host of the Everett Lee Show podcast. Well, today I have a controversial podcast. I have one of the most controversial podcasts I'm going to have today right here on the Everett Lee Show. But it's not what you think because I have right now online, on video, none other than the group Controversial Inc., La Brava, and Salvazar. How you guys doing there today? How's it going, man? How's it going? It's going great in this pandemic. Yay! Celebratory applaud MP3 file here. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. So I want to. I want to know how, as a professional wrestler worker, how you how you guys dealing with this pandemic going on, not being able to perform in front of live crowds. How's that? How's that going for you? I mean, I look at everyone walking by as an opponent now, which is bad. I'm used to I'm used to wrestling, you know, every every week, two three times a week, you know, and. Uh, so when I walk out to the grocery store and stuff like that, and I see someone, oh, I want to do is punch him in the face. That's not good. That's not healthy. So <laughs> I'm ready to get back in the ring, um, trying not to go to jail, you know, by punching some stranger in the face. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, changing things. Yeah, it's 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 one thing to like. I'm used to training. I'm used to wrestling every weekend or like two three times a week, like he said. But it's kind of hard not to like grab somebody in a wrestling hold, you know, or like like he said, try to punch people in the face or maybe have a wrestling match with the Invisible Man in the living room. So I don't know. It's it's weird. <laughs> like my addiction is gone and it's driving me crazy right now. Yeah, I, I can only imagine everyone's going through this pandemic in some shape or form with it being workers that perform in front of a crowd people in the industry, uh, entertainment industry, such as film directors, actors, actresses, Everything they've had going on has been put to a halt. And, of course, with live events, especially as wrestlers, it's you don't have that crowd to feed off of when you do a live event. And I know that's, that's dri- that drives drives you crazy, don't it? Yeah, yeah. At least the liquor stores are not closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing I don't understand. I don't understand here. It's, um, essential. Very, essential. it's very essential, as you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, liquor stores are open, but they close churches. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. Um, I don't get that. Yeah, I mean, there's, those are two different ways of coping with the reality of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, looking for religion or looking for a bottle of whiskey. Apparently, the bottle of whiskey, whiskey. is more essential to the government than going to church. Yeah. Um, well, so I guess. Yeah. 
I would say I would go to church and pray for that bottle of whiskey. So they need to have that open. <laughs> I'll pray that those uh, liquor stores are fully stocked when I go there. Yeah. Well, th- it's funny because when when the uh, shit hit the fan or the shit hit the bed, pretty much, pretty much all toilet paper, paper towels, hand sanitizers, everything was was bought up by everyone, but hardly yeah, any well, liquor stores. The toilet paper, and that's one thing that everyone like went crazy about. It just like paper. before everything like really went down south. Like toilet paper was gone, hand sanitizer was gone. I was like, okay, so it took a pandemic for you guys to actually learn how to wipe properly and how to wash your hands properly. Great job, guys! Great example for America. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. We do things backwards around here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're good at it. We're, we're good at doing things backwards. We're proud of it. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I mean, you're not using your left hand, you know, my right, you guys can see, but, um, you know, and wash your hands, of course. I mean, why would you why would you not want to wash your hands after you wipe your ass? Because, I mean, our parents taught us better, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would think some you people there. <laughs> yeah, you would think you would think you'd have some people like that. I mean, we're not we're not living in the Roman Roman Empire era where we use the left hand, but um, besides, apparently we are. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, we're yeah. still back in the Roman yeah. times. <laughs> but I think um, I think with everything going on and stuff, I'm glad you guys are holding up. And what what have you been doing with your time being in? Uh, quarantine staying at home because here in florida we're pretty much got that stay home uh stay home order i mean it's a stay at home i don't feel like they're monitoring it as much as they said they were gonna do yeah. um, i haven't really seen cops stopping people um that's not to say that people should be trying to try to police and do stuff like that but so i don't feel like they're really monitoring as much as people expected yeah. So you right. can really go to your friend's house. You can really go to the liquor store. You can really go to all these places, and it's like it's almost like normal. Yeah. Because they're not really being monitored as much as you thought. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me mostly, I mean, I have a lot of video games, but I never really played them because I was busy with uh, wrestling. Right. So that's given me some chance to finish some of those games, and I guess and drink, drink a lot, <laughs> way too much. Um, <laughs> And uh, smoke cigars and drink whiskey and and work out. I mean, although that's not a good combination, drinking yeah. whiskey, <laughs> eating, binging, and then working out. Yeah. Um, I'm bringing, at least I'll stay the same. I won't really gain weight. So that's yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, same thing for me. Like I um I have some video games that I haven't really had a chance to like really touch up on, but I was able to you know play some. Um, I've been able to watch some wrestling tape here and there as well, just to yeah. keep things fresh. Right. Um, caught up on some Netflix shows that I <laughs> I didn't think that I was ever going to finish, and just like started getting into some new shows recently too. And same thing, you know, drinking way too much whiskey, just way too much, and <laughs> the money goes really quick out of your pocket when you're not working and just buying alcohol. That's that's terrible. That's that's very terrible. But I can bet you anything, I will win every single drinking game moving forward. I will become an expert. <laughs> that's something to be proud of, but not be proud of at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, what kind of what kind of drinking games has Controversial Inc. gotten themselves into? If you don't mind me asking. Oh 
God. Um, <laughs> we see who can try to chug the, a bottle of beer quicker than anybody for one. What she won. Which I happen to win. Yeah. Which I can beat both him and uh, Mr. C, yeah. probably. Um, <laughs> I drink whiskey like it's nothing, man. Like, whiskey's my favorite. That's my poison. That's my favorite thing. Um, recently, I tried sangria, which sangria is delicious, by the way. This is the first time I ever tried it, and it's great. Um, but we indulge in basically just about anything. Like, who can get drunk the fastest, who can hold down their alcohol the fastest, or, like, the longest time. It's, it's fun. So I mainly only drink with him and Mr. C when we're all hanging out together because um, I feel safer when I'm with them. But if it's anybody else, I won't do it. I won't do it. I have... I have uh, I have this boundary of trust that I don't want anybody to cross, and the only people that cross it is just these two. I trust them with my lives. I've been in numerous situations, which let's just be honest, let's just be straightforward. I'm a woman. They're men. They can easily take advantage, and they haven't, and it's it's great to be around a group of guys that are also not only your friends, but they're business partners, and they won't take advantage of you. They actually just make sure that you're safe. And, I mean, when we went to Puerto Rico... That was a big example. You know, they kept me safe. We all kept each other safe. We were all looking out for each other. So right. it's great. I can trust them. I don't have to worry about dying in the middle of the streets out here in Florida. They'll, they'll like, pick me up, slap me around a couple of times, get your shit together, La Brava, and then, you know, <laughs> just go on, go on about our day. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. That Going to Puerto Rico reminds me of a story, story my brother told me. Back when he used to be a first mate working for Jimmy Jimmy Dean and Bill France on their boats, he'd go he'd go to Bahamas, he'd go to Jamaica, and that's where he would get his uh, his uh, herbal recreational stuff at there at Jamaica. He knew this one guy, one guy, and he would he would go see this guy every time he'd go. He'd be down there, and uh, he he gave him gave him a nickname, my brother a nickname and stuff. And my brother wore this like gold like crucifix necklace which is he still has it which is pretty damn awesome and he would he would buy he'd buy uh his stuff from him and then he'd go back to the boat and uh, one day on his way going back to the boat this uh little jamaica kid came running up and snatched the necklace off so my brother chased his ass he chased him got around to the corner to where the kid was and it was in an alley with a bunch of other people sitting there. And as soon as he turned down that alley, they stood up, come towards him. My brother's like, that's it. So he walked off and he went back and uh, he told the guy. And the guy was like, oh, he's like, I take care of it for your man. Next trip, he came down. <laughs> he went to go visit him again. He said, oh, hey, man, I got something for you. And he said, what's that? And he handed him the necklace. And he says, no people, no problem. You you fine now. They know you with me. So I was like, that's pretty cool. He took care of him, you know, because he was one of his customers. That's, awesome. and, and that's, just that's, a, that's like, because I'm from Puerto Rico. Uh-huh. And, and just like every island is like that where just like once – once you know them, like you're 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 part of their like family. You're part of their, you know, like crew. Yeah. And you know when, and that's how we are. Like and just a lot of like just islanders in general. You know that's how we are. We're we're very we're very like oh like very defensive when it comes to like new people coming on board or, or bringing new people to to our group or, or whatnot. But once we we get to know you and you're cool with us, then you're one of us. Nice. I like that. I like that. That's one of my that's one of my favorite favorite stories that he 
he talked to me about and he mentioned to me just his adventures going from the Bahamas and going up to Rhode Island, Maine, being on a boat, which is just amazing. And speaking of amazing stories, both of you have pretty amazing stories with getting into uh, wrestling. When when did you when did you guys first start watching wrestling? What were some of your early memories of watching wrestling on TV? Uh, I'm sorry. I I remember the first thing that I watched was Goldberg coming out. You know his entrance back in WCW Monday Nitro. You uh-huh. know with the security guards behind him. You know he went from backstage all the way to the front. And he was the most intense guy in WCW. You know there was no way around it. He was oh, the, yeah. the most explosive guy out there. You know I mean as a little kid seeing that. I, I never saw someone like that, you know, in the screen, like, being that explosive. And I was like, man, I want to be just like that. Uh, I later, you know, when I got more into wrestling, I got into more technical wrestlers, you know, like your Eddie Guerrero's and your Chris Benoit and your Chris Jericho, you know, even Undertaker and stuff like that. Right. Uh, the Rock. But, you know, Goldberg was really the one that pulled me in. And later on, I... Didn't really know how to get into wrestling, so I never really pursued it until later in life that I was watching NXT, and I was working at a job, renting apartments, and I saw one of my customers on TV, one of my residents of my community, and he was wrestling at NXT, and I was like, wait, wait a minute, I know this guy. So I saw him the next day. And I was like, hey, man, I saw you on TV. That's awesome, man. I, I always wanted to be a wrestler. And he literally told me these words that I'll never forget. He literally said, why don't you? And why something you? clicked in my head. He literally just said, why don't you? And something clicked in my head, and I'm like, he's right. Why don't I, you know? So I went looking for a school, found a school, and, and I trained for about a year before I had my first match. And it was it was hard. It was hard. I wanted to quit. The first three, four weeks were the rough, the roughest weeks, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't picking up things like the other more athletic kids in the school. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I did better than everyone else is I showed up every right. single training, every single training, you know. And I wasn't, I wasn't the best, not at all. But if you ask anyone at that school who has had the most accomplishments, the most accolades, the most championships, the most everything, is me. It's only because I've been showing up to class every single time. And I've taken every opportunity. I have not complained. I have not made any excuses. And I just got to just keep going forward and forward and forward. Because to me, I feel like time is against me because I'm a little bit older. There's some of the younger talent out there. But I've just taken every opportunity I have. And that's why. Because, you know, and still, I'm not the most athletic guy out there. Uh, but in the ring, you know, there's there's something there. You know, there's something there that's different than a lot right. of other wrestlers that are wrestling in the scene. And people can see it. And it's just that intensity that, that, that you don't really see too much in the indie scene. Yeah, you see it. There's people out there. But that intensity that I bring is a little bit different than what you're used to see. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. What about what about you, LaBrava? La um, it was a little bit different, and I had a little bit of a tough road. Uh-huh. Uh, because unlike him, I didn't really show up a lot to training. So I started training... Back in 2014, and um, I trained under uh, the Riverview Flea Market, and I had heard of this from my front door neighbor at the time. His name is Joe. Um, like He's like a second father to me. And he told me, hey, I found this wrestling school. They train people, but especially they train girls for free. And I was like, hmm, I'm broke. 
<laughs> so why don't I check this place out? So I checked it out, and I remember the first day that I did, I started off with two other people, which I don't believe that they wrestle anymore. Um, and they gave me plenty of slack for not showing up so much, but guess who's making it and guess who's not. I'll just leave it at that. And... Um, uh, Frank Reyes, who was my first trainer, he showed us like uh, memorabilia along the walls, and he was just kind of schooling us on like the old school because he used to know people back from like sixties, the seventies, the eighties, like the old old timers. And um, right, right. Then he made us set up the ring the very first day, and I'm like, this is no problem. I got this, and I'm trying to pick up the pieces of metal, and I'm like. Oh, I don't got this. Never mind. I don't got this. I'm so out of shape. So we put the ring, just three people that day, which is very, very hard with three people. And then he says, take a bump. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, take a bump. And I was like, no problem. I got a concussion that first day. The very first day I ended up with a concussion. Because the one thing that you should know, if you are trying to look for a wrestling school and you end up going in, the very first thing is tuck your head. Because right. your head hitting wood, it's not a good feeling at all, at all. So I trained with Frank for maybe like about a year, but then not even a year. I want to say maybe like a, collectively I trained with him for maybe like about three years. But I trained with him for a few weeks until I had my very first injury, which was I tore my ankle in like three separate pieces from doing a monkey flip during training. The girl hadn't base for me properly, uh-huh. and my leg flipped, and instead of catching me, she just kind of like shoved me off. So that didn't really help. Damn. So I was benched. <laughs> then I came back in 2015, trained a little bit more, but I was going through a rough time during that period. You know, um, my personal life was kind of hanging like in a balance, and, um, you know, I didn't take it too seriously, so I left again to kind of get myself back together. Then I came back in May 2017, and I just went full blast. I didn't miss a single day of training. I was going seven days a week, every single day going to training. Not once, not twice, seven days a week, spending four hours every single day, just honing the basics, trying to learn this and that, this and that. But there came a time in my life around 2018 where I went through a little bit of a life-changing experience. that really it really changed me and a lot of people there's a bunch of people that I know that are always like oh you used to be like such a sweet person you used to be such a very nice a very gentle person I mean when you go through some stuff in life that's very um, life-altering and you hit rock bottom mm-hmm. it, it changes you yeah and it, it's made me a little bit more reserved it's made me a little bit more observant about everything that goes on around me but honestly it's that the life traumatic changing experience that happened to me it it made me that much smarter. It made me that much of a grinder, a hustler, and I go after what I want. I don't care if I get hurt in the ring. Um, I broke my nose in the middle of a match. I broke my jaw. I dislocated my jaw in the middle of a match, and I didn't stop. I kept going. Right. Oh, I didn't care, you know. Um, and you know, I take a lot. Of, I take a lot of pride in that. And the guys push me all the time. Now I train under Brian Idol, and I train in the same facility that he does because he was the one that said, "Hey." You need to get a little bit out of your comfort zone, and you know you need to you need to step up the game because you know what? If you stay behind with everybody else, you're not going to make it. So either you get to my level, or you're just going to stay behind. He said it to me just like that. Right. And uh, <laughs> I uh, I found the ways to make money, and now I'm training for the uh, training facility that we're in right now. And I've learned so much. I've trained with Brian Idol, 
Frank Reyes, I trained one time under Scyther uh, down at the Crypt in Fort Myers, which he's a great trainer as well. Very, uh, very cutthroat, very straightforward type of guy. But in this industry, yeah, I mean, Markova. and Natalia Markova, yes, which okay. she's amazing. Great, great athlete, great veteran in the ring, and such an amazing person, too. So it's, it's been a tough road, but yeah. I'm, I'm at a point in my life where it's like, you know what? I don't care. Bring it. This right. is barely, this is barely like the starting point, and I know that we have plenty more ways way to go, so I'm excited. Yeah, mine was a little bit more of a quicker, but it was more here you're going to be in front of so many people. It was more pressure. Mm -hmm. Because the first show that I did, um, my debut, was in front of 300 people. It was Mick Foley was there, and I was the semi-main event. Oh, nice. And, yeah, so that was nice. not, it wasn't a fruit show, it wasn't a dark match, it wasn't any of that. It was like, hey, you got the semi-main event. You, your people, your crew is like 150 people are just there to watch your match. You know? So, uh -huh. like, there was a lot of pressure. And so, like, it made us... In the group that I was in, you know, I was with, you know, um, two other guys from a tag team, Fast Motion, another guy, Kevin Powers, and we, we put on a tag team match, and it was, for being a debut match, and not to brag, cause, but it was it was a great match, given the skills that we had, and, and the little bit that we knew, you know, we were able, able to just kind of shine off the things that we were good at, um, but I didn't have the lead and then coming back, leave me coming back, because, like I said, I'm a little bit older. And I right. said, if I don't take this opportunity now, if I don't go full force, if I don't try to be good and showcase myself now, I'm going to miss the boat. And I don't want to miss the boat. Yeah, you you definitely, you want to take that opportunity. And if you don't take that opportunity, you're going to miss it. And that's, that's amazing, your guys' journey to get to where you're at. And you've, you've all have pretty much worked at quite a bit of promotions here. Um, can you name yeah. some of the promotions that you worked at? Yeah, so WXW over in uh, Mineola yep. is definitely one of them, and it's run um, under APA. Uh -huh. uh, the Watson Mullins. The Watson yes. And uh, great, great, great promotion to work for. Um, you also got... Knockout Wrestling. Knockout Wrestling, which there we... That was the first place that really gave us uh, an opportunity yeah. for us to right. shine, because when we both went to Knockout Wrestling, we were both fairly new. And that's the first place that I won a title at. I was six months in, I became the heavyweight champion of the company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I, and I became the longest reigning heavyweight champion of the company, still to this day, um, with two championship reigns there and from then on you know that that company kind of helped us get noticed in other companies mm -hmm. from you know and POW is a company that is run by the basically the same people that run the training facility that she was in that she started uh, in. Frank Reyes and uh, Robbie Medina. Yes. And Alexis Shane. Yeah. So POW is another one that FTW is the um, company that's run by Brian Idol which is our training facility he's the coach there. Right. Uh, so it's FTW. And we also, you know, we, we worked in just about every other promotion uh, in Florida. Um, and then we also worked uh, NEU, NEW in uh, Alabama. Jasper, uh, Alabama, yeah. Jasper, Alabama. Nice. We also worked at Lariato. Lariato. We also worked over at CCW up in New York. And we also worked at the FTW that they have in New York. Yep. And we went to Puerto Rico, actually, a few months ago in November to uh, wrestle for Fight Forever and... Holy smack, that was amazing. It was, oh, uh, my God. I can imagine. 
Yeah, it was 3,000 plus people in the crowd. I literally have chills just talking about that right now. <laughs> it's crazy. It was, I heard it was louder than match that we had. Oh, okay, okay. Was it yeah. was it energy? Was, was it both you in the, in the intergender tag team or what? What? How, no, it was, was me and it? Mr. C. Okay, me and Mr. C versus two other teams. There was one um, girl in the match. Uh, uh -huh. She was she was part. That was an intergender tag team. Okay. She, she still took part in the match. Um, she actually jumped out of a ladder trying to get the girl, but the girl moved out of the way and she ate the table by herself. Oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. And my ribs were not happy with that, so my ribs were crying for the next I was, I was, I was half like, oh, are you okay? And half of mine was like, ha. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the business, kid. Wow. Well, I, I know Puerto Rico has a rich history of wrestling and they 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 love it they you not many people from what i hear don't really talk much about puerto rico but they got a lot of good wrestling they got a lot of history there with who's come out of puerto rico in wrestling and what they've done with it i mean just about every big name has stopped by puerto rico at one point mm -hmm. i mean if you talk you, you can throw it back to bruiser brody abdullah busher you can talk about rick flair I mean, the, the title that Carlos Colon uh, yes. has is he took it from Ric Flair, and he opened that company with that title. So there's a lot of history in Puerto Rico uh, with the title. There's a lot of history with wrestlers, you know. Even, like, John Moxley stopped by Puerto Rico at one point. Gabriel, Edge, Kane, Big Show. Yeah. You know, a big, like, you can talk about just about every big name stopped in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico used to be a huge territory. Mm -hmm. Like, as big as NWA and uh, AWA, it, it was a big territory. Right. But it was also considered one of the most dangerous territories to go to because the fans um, were very, very into it to the point where, like, they it was real. It was, it yeah. was more real to them than it was to the people here uh, yeah. in the States. So to them, you know, they wanted to stab you in the back. You know, they wanted, they wanted like, in, in that, you know, when you come out of the, of the show, <laughs> they wanted to fight you. It was crazy. Like they, they believed it to the point where like they actually felt like they had to get revenge to what you did to their hero. You know, so they would wait for you back, you know, outside. Yeah. It, it was crazy, you know. So a lot of people that went there were one of the toughest wrestlers. Like if you can tell, like back in the day it was, you know, Bruiser Brody. Like that guy was huge, you know. Mm -hmm. Abdullah, that guy was crazy, you know. Yeah. The people that went there were people that were known for either being crazy or being huge because you can't be you can't. You couldn't be a scrawny little guy that's a little, you know, afraid of things going over there in Puerto Rico during the '80s and '90s and think you can, just, you know, be okay because you're gonna not want to come back. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot I, different now. It's a lot different now. Yeah, I, 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 I can imagine. I can imagine. I remember Dutch Mantel. Um, he was uh, Zip Coulter in uh, WWE. I remember a story of him talking about back in the day when he went to Puerto Rico, and they wanted to kill him because he, he came in as a heel, and the fans wanted to kill his ass because of uh, the match and everything that was going on. They're really passionate about about wrestling, and I that's it's almost like Japan. Japan, the, the fans are passionate about the sport. Well, it's a different it's a different passion because their passion yeah. is more respect. Yeah. In Japan, they're like they see you and they treat you with so much respect. You know, even if you're a, a heel or you're a bad guy, just for the fact that you're out there being a wrestler, they see you with respect. In Puerto oh. Rico, they're like if they don't like you, they're they gonna just they're gonna like show you. you they don't they're like you. Like, <laughs> they just don't like you. Um, for me, it was it was it was an experience because he knows a lot about like the Puerto Rican um, wrestling 
history, it, I was very new to it. I'm Colombian, but I was raised in, um, I was born and raised in Miami. Okay. Um, so it was the first time I ever went to Puerto Rico, and there was a little situation in their match where they had uh, trouble setting up the tables, yep. and the crowd was just eating them alive. Like, every single time they set up the table, it collapsed, and they're like, boo! And, like, they were literally, like... Like, they were just like, oh, like, you suck in Spanish and everything like so, that. Oh, was, man. We did it, so For like, me, okay. it was like, oh, this it's, is great. This is magical. In wrestling, you have to be able to adapt to situations. I mean, that that yeah. basically differentiates the amateurs from the pros. Um, so in when that happened, the thing with the tables, Mr. C was setting up the last one, and it collapsed. <laughs> and the crowd started going. They the crowd lost it. So what I did, I was like, I point at me and I point at him. And I'm like me, me. I look at the crowd, me, and then they're like, yeah. I go set up the table and it sets up on the first one, and the crowd explodes. They're like, wow, <laughs> and they start clapping their hands. And we break home with the match. We we created. We took a situation that could have been bad for us, mm -hmm. and we made it into a moment for us. Right. And right. in wrestling, you have to do that because yeah. if not, some fans will eat you alive, and they almost ate us alive <laughs> in that particular moment. But we made it our moment. Yes. Damn. I, I love that. I one thing one thing I love about going to live wrestling events is just being there in the crowd and just enjoying the show. I went to an RH show back in uh, 2017. 2017, they came to Fort Lauderdale. That's back when uh, Cody Young Bucks were still yeah. with Ring of Honor, and we were there. We were like way up in the up in the crowd there, though. But we could still see what's going on. I mean, we still had a good view. But during during the match, I forgot who was in the ring. But the, the one guy you probably may have heard or see to him. He he dresses up like Hulk Hogan. You know what I'm talking about? He goes to all like the wrestling events. You ever heard about that guy? Yeah, I see him. Yeah, see him. he was. You show, you see him. He was there. He was there, and and he started uh, he started heckling whoever whoever was in the crowd. I think it was I think it was Matt Taven was uh, in the ring. So. Okay. Matt Taven came down and he started getting his face and the crowd's just exploding and stuff and they're like brother brother <laughs> just, and then they're like Hulk's going to get you you know just oh, it was crazy. just great man and he he uh, got in the ring and he pointed at him and he did the Hulkamania thing just the whole Hogan leg drop everything and the crowd was booing him and then the guy in the crowd when he started doing it they started cheering him and then he jumped back out there and got in his face and the guy it was it was just great man just feeding off that crowd there and it's just having a good time just watching something like that what are what are some of the craziest moments being in front of a live crowd? What what crazy stuff, what crazy shit have you experienced with fans? Oh, my gosh. Hold on. There was this one moment where we were in a promotion, Thunder Championship Wrestling, and you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about. So <laughs> um, they were in a tag team match against um, Cajagas and please remind my name. Michael Tarver. Yes, Michael Tarver. From the Nexus. From the Nexus, uh, from WWE. Uh -huh. And um, great people to work with. Um, they're great professionals, very respectful, and they welcomed us with open arms. So thank you guys for having us. Um, but we were having a tag team match, and there was this one particular lady in the crowd that just hated us, hated us so much. And we, I used a pair of handcuffs to uh, cuff up Tavern over to the ropes so that way my guys could get the win. But I don't think it actually worked out to our favor because uh, they, details, details. yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> I was getting in her face the entire time while they while they were working, 
And she, I was telling her, like, oh, you can't even be half the woman that I am. You see this? I'm the definition of a woman. You? Not so much. The crowd lost it. So the guy over here's still working. I'm over here bad-mouthing this girl. Somehow, I don't know how, the handcuffs made their way over to her during the entire, like, matchup. And had, it, had the guys and I not ducked our heads, she chucked the handcuffs over to us. It would have hit one of us. Dead in the face. We would have had a huge hospital. But well, what I did was I, I took my uh, smokes I took my tape. I took my tape, rolled <laughs> it up in the ball, and I threw it after it and hit her. Uh-huh. So at that point, she got really mad and started to try to jump the guardrail. Yep. And the security there had to stop her because she was ready to uh, fight us. We always have this one uh, fan. Oh. I wouldn't even call her fan because she, she's no fan of us. Hold uh, on. What about that one from ACW that hates? Yeah, that's the one. That's the okay, one. there's another one in particular. <laughs> this, oh is, this is fan, and uh, her name is Amanda. Uh-huh. And she is the heckler at every show that you go. She's going to be your... It, she she oh, loves God. the good guys, has, hates the bad guys. You know? yeah. She's that, that person. But for yeah. whatever reason, she... It's not even hate. It's legitimate, like... If I ever catch you in the streets, I'll slit your throat type yeah, of thing. She, like, <laughs> literally hates with everything she, uh, with every fiber of her being. So we, I had a match, and I always take every opportunity to do something to get her mad. Um, I, right. She was singing something. I got down, and I said, I, I, I bet you have more hair in your ass than I do. And <laughs> she lost her shit. Um, and that was, that was crazy. And then another one, another show that I did that she was in, I was like, wow, who let the dog out of the pound? You know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know. Because she just barks and barks and barks. Um, so, like, and stuff like that that I that we do and say just to get the people riled up. You know, it makes a better show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it, it just, if people take it too personal, that's their own damn problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're there to entertain. People's going to love you or hate you. And that's just, that's how it goes, right? I mean,. Yep. Yeah, that's just that's just how it goes. It's it it comes with the job, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now you mentioned you mentioned uh, Salvazar that you're in the promotion and you work in the promotion knockout wrestling, yep. and you're the longest longest reigning world heavyweight champion for Correct. the promotion. Correct. Now. What uh, what what's going on with you right now? What's what's been going on? I've been seeing stuff here and there on Knockout Wrestling. Could, uh, yep. Can you go into that and explain so what's after, going on? After I lost the heavyweight title, um, I took a, a little hiatus um, just to kind of I guess find myself and stuff like that. You know, because after you have a long reign like that, you lose the title. It's, it's almost like damn, I lost something I was holding on onto for a while, so kind of makes you want to reevaluate your strategy um, and how you're going to come back. So I came back, and I only came back because Romeo Cavetta, which is one of the hardest-hitting guys out there. Well-decorated. He uh, made his debut at Knockout Wrestling, right. and I was like, he's not going to debut and, and just, like, just like that, you know? So I decided to just go for the big dog there, you know? For, mm-hmm. you know and I challenged him for a match, and ever since then, I've been having... You know, stellar matches and knockout, and I've been basically my focus has been since coming back to knockout is to basically have the best match of the night. You know, show the people why I'm the main event, why I always be the main event, no matter if I have a title or not. And every every show that you've gone to, you have proven I can literally go to people and I tell her I go to every show that we're in. That I tell her 
I'm about to have a main event match. You need to step up. You know, and I'll tell Mr. C that. I'm about to have a main event match. You need to step up. We, we tell each other the same thing because that's what we want. Right. We want to be the match of the night, you know. And throughout the whole process, my goal was to get back in the championship title, you know. And there was a battle royal that happened at the last show. And she actually was the last entrant, the surprise last entrant on that show. Because I had taken a hiatus as well, but for different reasons. Yeah, because she I, knocked her head out. I knocked my, I, I got knocked out at knockout. Yep. So <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke. I got knocked out and knocked out. But we'll go into details about that later. But yeah, continue. So in the battle royal, um, we were the final three, and uh, I was eliminated, and she took advantage of that, eliminated the other guy immediately after. So she got the win, and I was making my way out. Like congratulations, I'm out. You know, you you go fight Persia, I guess. Who was who was the women's champion over there? Because she won it from me. Because I'm the longest reigning um, knockout uh, women's champion and the first ever knockout women's champion. So everybody was under the assumption that I was going to go after Persia, who's now the current champion. Yeah. And I said, who said anything about going after the women's title? I've made history being the first ever women's champion. You've made history being the longest reigning heavyweight champion. So we've made history, but not together. So how about we become the first ever intergender tag team champions. So the tag team champions over at Knockout right now are Sam C and Scorcher, which are the... Two least likable people in the world. Yes. <laughs> the Society of Sin, I think, I think that's what they call themselves, right? The Society, the society of Shit. Yes, the Society of Shit. We'll, we'll go with that. And um, wow. right now our focus is the uh, tag team titles over at Knockout. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about that there, LaBrava, because you're you won the battle royal. Yes. And I guess no no woman or female talent has come in has come into a battle royal at knockout to win something like that. And yeah, yeah you could have you could have went after Persia. I mean you could've you could have went after her for the title though, but you want to make history with Salvazar. I, I get it. I get it. You guys want to make history, so why not you become the first intergender tag tag team in the in the company's history. Now what is what's the what is the feedback from that from uh, the locker room and the the fans? What how, how do you feel about that and how's that coming for both of you with the with the feedback here? Um, like I I did not expect them to react the way that they did, and as soon as I eliminated uh, the final contestant, which was actually DMC Dante Marquez Carter, which is one half of Task Force. Yes. Um, great competitor. I will give him a lot of credibility because the guy has a lot of talent, but. Guess what? I took advantage of the situation, roller roller. And um, you know, I the the entire crowd exploded with cheers. Like I didn't expect them to like actually be in favor of me winning because for the longest time I was really hated there because Persia was their all time hero. So I'm kind of like the Joker to her Batman. You know, everybody looked at her as this superhero that came out of nowhere with superhero strength. Because let me tell you, that girl. That girl's got arms for days. That girl's got better-looking arms than most of the guys in this industry. Like, holy smokes. That guy can lift a full-grown man and bench press him. Like, it's impressive. Her, her, her strength is great. Um, great competitor, and she's come a very long way. Um, but everybody hated me. Everybody loved her. So to see the crowd actually cheer that I won that Battle Royale was great. And then to hear the crowd cheer for him as well, because let me tell you, 
even if he tries to do good, for some reason, they still hate him. They, he could be doing the greatest thing in the world. He could be saving a child. They will still boo him. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I get this. <laughs> I don't know why. In wrestling, wrestling fans have evolved. Um, mm-hmm. You can attest to that. Wrestling fans have evolved. That yeah. they, they, don't, they don't follow the whole, oh, you're a bad guy. I'm supposed to not like you. Yeah. Uh, if they like you, they like you. You know, and we have fans that like us yes. because of who we are. They don't right. want us to be good. They don't want. It. They just they like us for who we are. You know, and in knockout, I have a mix of both. We I have people that despise me, and I have people that like the yeah. way that I work. So I always get sheared and booed. Now I do because they like the, even people that don't like me. They want to see me wrestle because they like the way I wrestle. Yeah. So either way, I get a mixed reaction. And I understand that. So when I'm wrestling people, like, for example, now we're wrestling CMC and Scorcher, and they despise them, so now all of a sudden, they're on our side. They love them. You they know? love us. It's great. <laughs> they just want, me, want to see me kick his ass, you know, and especially CMC. <laughs> exactly. Now, I want to start with you, uh, LaBrava. Do you okay. have anything you'd like to get off your chest and then afterwards... Salvazar, same question. Okay. Well, one thing that I really, one thing that I do want to say that I appreciate from Nagat is that they don't treat me like a manager, which there's this huge misconception just because there's two guys and one girl in a group that I'm a manager. And that's not the case because if you look at another um, trio um, back in the day from like the late 90s and early 2000s, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Lita. They were the Hardy boys, and they had Lita in their group, but Lita could still kick ass. And she wasn't a manager. She was never a manager, at least in that group in particular. I never looked at her as a manager. I always looked at her as a woman that could do uh, things that no other woman could do. You know, the high fly, the lucha libre stuff, because I know that she went to train in Mexico for a while, and she adapted to the style of the Hardy boys, and they just clicked very well. With us, collectively as a group, Knockout was like one of the one of the only promotions that actually looked at us as equals. And, you know, they gave him matches, they gave Mr. C matches, they gave me matches. I I come out ringside with the boys, regardless, just to give them, you know, the support and everything. But Knockout never treated me as a manager. There's different places in um, around Florida and just, like, different places in general that look at me as a manager just because maybe I'm a woman. But that's not a feministic thing to say. I'm not a feminist, not by any means. But I'm saying in the fact of, like, hey... I'm a worker. I'm a wrestler. Can you please treat me like one, or can you give me the opportunity to prove to you that I'm just as equal as you guys are? Maybe I might not be at the same skill level, but I can definitely hold off on my own in the ring. Um, so that's one thing that I wanted to say, just as a general statement. I am not a manager. I am a professional worker. And uh, to somebody or just anybody that says that I have managerial duties to do, I'm not a manager. I can hold off on my own same way that you can. And I prove it every single time I step inside the squared circle. So that's one thing I wanted to get off my chest. And then you just have, not even, not in knockout, because a knockout is a really nice locker room, but just in general, there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on in this business way, way too much. And I like to keep my circle very, very small. Really, it's just the guys and maybe, maybe like one or two other people that I can legitimately call friends and be like, hey, let's hang out as a group. Um, but other than that, I'm very, I'm very reserved. A lot of people are like, oh, this and this and this, but they talk about you behind your back. But that's 
This is literally like high school. This is literally high school. I keep my mouth shut, shake hands, hey, great to meet you, great, 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 blah, 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 but at a distance. I like to keep everybody at arm's length just because in this industry, it's very cutthroat, and I don't let anybody in. I just, I absolutely refuse to. And if anybody knows that better than I do, it's him. He's got... He's got more things to get off of his chest than I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I guess are we, are we ready to get controversial? Because I think uh, it's about to get a little controversial. That's what it is, man. This <laughs> is I'm giving you a plat I'm giving you guys a platform. So you anything you want to say, go for okay, it. Okay, as far as knockout, I never had a problem with knockout because knockout was the first company that really gave me an opportunity. Exactly. Uh, and even if there were people criticizing them for giving me an opportunity because I was very young in the business where I won my heavyweight title. But here's the thing. I was one of the most over guys in the locker room and I, I was one of the most hardworking guys in the locker room. And if anyone there deserved the opportunity to represent the company, it was me. You know? And I'll say it because I was working more shows, doing more promos, doing more stuff than anyone there. And they saw that. So that's why the opportunity was presented to me to go ahead and chase for that title. Um, and I seized that opportunity. Uh, so Knockout never did anything wrong towards me as a company. So I can really never say anything wrong. However, other companies uh, that might have issues with some companies want to go ahead and uh, take advantage of that and uh, take it out on workers like me and Controversial Inc. Well, that shit ain't going to fly. Because we are human beings before we are professional wrestlers. And you have to respect everyone in this business. And I'm not going to tolerate anyone coming here and try to use whatever rivalry they have with any other company to try to devalue us, to try to cut our pay, to try to, you know, trick us, trick us out of opportunities and stuff like that because I'm going to call them out on their bullshit. But that's not cool. We're in this company, you know, we're, we're in this business to try to grow, to try to grow together because we're trying to put a product for the fans. But when people put politics in between in the and not not even okay politics let's just be real politics happen in wrestling and if you know this person makes more money let's go ahead and push this guy if this person makes more money let's push this guy whatever the case may be but if it's a he said she said thing bro what are you doing like what yeah. Yeah. come to us and we're very straightforward people yeah. if anything like that comes across our way we're the first ones to address it hey I heard that this is this and this and this. Can we talk about no, it? No, and I'll tell you this, and I won't really go much into detail, but there was a situation where someone said something that someone in the group said, and the first thing we did was like, oh, this person said that? We literally called them on the phone. I was like, hey. Two seconds later. I heard literally. you said this. What's up? Literally a, like, an hour and a half conversation, straightening things out. At the end of the day, he apologized to us, and he said, hey, I was in the wrong. I'm sorry. I never should have done that, blah, 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 blah. But we said, hey. Next time, don't do that kind of stuff, man. That's, no, that shit ain't going to fly. And even then, we said, from now on, we're going to handle business with a different person, not you. Yeah. And I don't care if this person's hearing this, because in reality, when you disrespect someone's integrity like that, then I have no business with you. None. I have no business with you, because what you're doing is you're creating drama where there is no drama. At. And I don't want no part of that. Exactly. Because we're here, we're, we, we're trying to be one of the most professional groups out there, right. so we're not going to get involved with people that want to make politics out of this. You know, I don't, at the end of the day, you know, wrestling is wrestling, mm -hmm. and opportunities are given to people, and plans change. You know, if we were going to be scheduled to be involved in this, but things change, I'm okay with that. 
Exactly. But don't sell me a BS pipeline type of stuff. We're like, oh, I, this is the plans that I have for you guys. I want you guys to go against the tag team champions, and I want you guys to be one of the, the, the biggest guys, the biggest names here in the company. And they're flipping on us the day of the show. Literally five minutes you know? before showtime. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with switching plans. But for me to later find out that that happened only because of politics, only because you were upset that I was working at a rival promotion, that's wrong, you know? Come to, me, come to me and you know? tell me that's right. the reason, and I will be okay to change things, you know, because I'm working for your promotion. But don't do some underhanded stuff because at the end of the day, I can decide not to work in promotion, and right. I can decide to work somewhere else. Just, just in the same realm that you cannot book me, I cannot work for you. You know, I can take my right. talent and my popularity, whatever I have, I can take it somewhere else and help them get to the next level. Right, right. Wow, that's 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 pretty damn that's pretty damn powerful there. I I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to add on to that. I don't know what to add on. In the same token, man, there's also people in this business, other workers in this business, they like to take things that you say. Yeah. Like uh, like little words that make not much of an impact, like professional distance or something like that. You know, uh, in wrestling, you have to keep, I always say you have to keep a professional distance from yeah. people. Professional distance in the sense of, for example, I might know you at, at a professional level, but maybe I don't want to get to know you at a personal level because I don't want to get involved on any potential drama. Right. Is that wrong of me to do that? No. That's what you do at work. And I consider this as a job. So in the same token that I would try to keep a professional um, way of being myself at a job, I still do that in professional wrestling because I'm trying to get somewhere else. Right. So I keep a professional distance. And for example, someone heard that and took it and exploded it into something else that it wasn't and decided to uh, message me on Facebook a huge rant. Um, and this person thought to be my friend or whatever and heard the word professional distance and thought I was making an attack on them and then blocked me and didn't even give me a chance to respond. Um, so that tells you how much that person, uh, the balls of that person, because if he can say something and doesn't even have the balls to at least hear my response, then that guy's not mad enough, you know? Right. And I hope he hears right. it. I hope he hears it, and I hope he sees me face-to-face, because -face, I'm the type of person that I don't want to talk over Facebook. I don't want to talk over Messenger. I want to see you face-to-face. -face. I had a situation with someone who tried to uh, make a promo, try to make a promo and shoot on us, basically attack us, to try to get fucked. And you know what I did? I shared it. And I said, oh, here's a guy who wants to uh, shoot on other guys and see if he gets booked, you know? And everyone started commenting on it, and, and, and they could see what he was trying to do. Yeah. And I messaged him I messaged him directly, and I said, hey, I shared your little promo. hope it gets you the bookings you're looking for. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. And I, uh, I had an actual conversation with him, uh -huh. and I said, don't use my name. Don't disrespect my name to try to get bookings because wrestling is wrestling. And there's one thing, and we're trying to work something together. You know, that's fine. But for you to come out in left field and try to attack my name. When you're not getting it, booked, yeah. you're not getting any bookings, you're not working, you're not putting in the effort that you say you're yep. putting in, and yep. you're attacking our book of business, yep. that's a problem. So I'm going to call you out. 
I'm gonna call you up. That's just the way it is. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on in the business. People wait for the opportunity for you to mess up something, to do not catch someone or something, to go ahead and post online and get fired on your behalf. You know, and that's the type of business we live on today. People that are waiting for you to slip up, to go ahead and post online. But you know what you do? You just keep moving. You just keep pushing. Because those people, people like that aren't gonna make it in this business. People like that, people that waiting for people to fail so they can capitalize on that, they're not gonna get anywhere. It's people like us who don't even give a damn about that shit, who want to just push forward, who are just looking for the next opportunity. And we're not trying to stab people in the back no. in the process. We're very straightforward. We're trying, matter of fact, if we can grab two or three of our people and help them out in the process, we're going to do that. Yeah. You know? Right. Because that's what this business is. If we don't help each other grow and we don't help the next generation of wrestlers get somewhere, then we're not going to do anything. We're like the same people that we complain about. In this industry, People in the indies now, we complain about the veterans and how they didn't want to open doors for us and how they didn't want to do anything, but here we're doing the same shit. We're doing the same thing. We're not giving opportunities. We're degrading. We're, we're calling everyone brother. We call each other. You know the term brother. We call everyone brother. Oh, yeah. you're my brother. Uh, and, and we say that because we try to treat everyone in this business like brother. But the same people are the same people that stab you in the back and want to go ahead and cost you bookings, not led you into promotions because of because they're maybe they're afraid that you're gonna take their spot. If you're afraid that I'm gonna take your spot, then be better. Work harder, man. You know, work what harder. And I'm not saying I'm not better I'm better than everyone, not at all. But I'm saying that I push myself. Yeah. And, and trust me, there's workers out there that are better than me. You know what that makes me do? It makes me want to be better. That doesn't make me want to not let him book. For example, Romeo Cavero, I think he's better than me. But you know what that makes me want to do? That makes me want to wrestle him. That makes me want to be, Romeo, you're one of the best wrestlers in the industry right now. I want to work a program with you. I want to work promos against you. I want to wrestle you. I want to push myself because I want to get to your level. And I'm not going to get jealous if you get booked somewhere because I know that that's where I need to be, you know? Right. Other wrestlers, they get, they get butthurt. They get butthurt when you get booked somewhere because they're like, oh, shit, he's going to take my spot. Well, you should. Okay, if I take your spot, then win it back. Take the spot back, you know? Bust your ass. Right, right. But but they see this and it's taken it as a personal attack. It's not a personal attack, you know. This is just us trying to push ourselves to be to the next level. You know, everyone in this business is trying to succeed. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm trying to take your spot. There's room in wrestling for everyone. You know, you just gotta capitalize on your moments. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at a sermon right now, man. Amen. Amen. If I had my soundboard working, I'd play something, but it crashed. But besides that, um, yeah, yeah. Technology. It's it sucks. It, it definitely does suck. Um, LaBrava, do you have anything you want to add to that or anything? <laughs> if, if not, um, I can... Uh, we, um, I don't know if we could talk any of that, but I do want to go ahead and touch base on just like the way that the the female side of wrestling works. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be honest. This is mostly a male-dominating sport, and I'll be the first one to say it. Men are stronger. I think they're the more superior um, gender, and they, they have the sort of strength and that us women wouldn't be able to touch. I'll be the first one to admit that. I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. But there's some women in this industry that are like, oh my gosh, I got treated a certain way because I'm a woman in this business. Oh my gosh, help me. Cry me a river. No, bro, what? Before I met these guys, 
I'll be the first one to admit I did not know how to like strike properly. I didn't know how to like do this properly, do that, do this, do that. Mr. C was nice enough to come down from Orlando to train with us. And it was just like a private like uh, training that the three of us did. And we had someone else with us who's part of the group. Um, not controversially, but just part as a friend group in general. Yeah. And he was helping us work on some basic stuff and then just polish a couple of things. And Mr. C and him were like, hey, you're rolling with us. You're going to learn how to do the same things that we do, which is a different, more aggressive style. So I'm like, all right, I want to learn this. This is great. Right. And then right. I get hit like the guys. I tell them all the time and they tell me, we're not going to go easy on you just because you're a woman. You're going to take it and you're going to take it like a man. Don't chop the living Jesus out of me, and I'll chop the living Jesus out of them. But I learned this because I don't want to get treated as a woman. I want to be treated as an equal, but not in the sense of like, oh, I'm a woman. Uh, let me be the feminist and be like, hey, I'm a man too. No, no, no. It has nothing to do like that. I want to be treated as a professional worker. I don't want someone to go easy on me just because I'm a woman. doesn't matter. If I'm working a hardcore match, which I worked a hardcore match back in November, when I dropped the title of the Persia, we had an amazing hardcore match. Maybe it's nothing of the hardcore matches that he does because he's he's a hardcore one out of the three of us. He'll do hardcore, hardcore matches in his sleep if he needs to. But I did my first ever hardcore match because it's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to push the envelope. Same thing that he says, hey, I'm going to be the main event spot today. You guys need to push yourselves. So you know what? We I pushed it hard enough to the point that we actually, Persia and I actually main event a knockout match, and it was a hardcore match, the first ever hardcore women's match for the women's title, and we we stole the show. There was a guy that came to us, and he said, oh, we have a, uh, we have a match, and we have to use weapons in our match. You better step your shit up. I don't know if you guys can handle it. And I said, oh, is that so? <laughs> I told, I went to Persia, wow. and I told him the same thing. I told her backstage before the show, and I said, hey, so-and-so said this. How about we go ahead and prove them wrong? And she's like, you know what? I bet. Because this is what she always says. She's like, I bet. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, we got this. I, wow. Poor girl. I, like, destroyed her ribs and her back because of the kendo stick. Mm -hmm. She sabotaged my shoulder because of that. Um, I broke my nose in the middle of that match. Um, we beat the living Jesus out of each other. We pushed ourselves... To the point where we had almost a standing ovation from the workers in the back. They were lined up uh, over in uh, the entrance ramp. And they were all clapping for us because she won her first title and in knockout. And because we had such a stellar match. And we had people shaking our hands backstage saying, holy crap, you guys blew us out of the water. And then we had a backstage meeting. And I literally got up. You can ask him. I got up. And I looked at the guy in the face and I said, you remember when you told us to push the envelope and to be better? Well, here's a testament to you. Now you need to step your shit up and get to our level. And everybody started applauding. I'm not the type of person that I let everything like that get to my head. No, I'm yeah. a very humble person. Ask anybody in this industry. I'm very humble and they say, hey, I might not be as good as you, but I really, really want to try to push myself and I want to be just as good as you. I will never devalue anybody. I have a very good reputation in this business. And if I have an issue with you, I will be the first one to tell you. Right. I'm not the kind of person that's going to confront you and be like, oh, yeah, I already just said this and this. You want to fight? No, bro, let's let's talk. We already risk our lives in that ring. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. we never know if we're going to come out with a wrestling injury or not. Let's talk. Let's talk like men. Let's talk woman to woman or man to woman, whatever the case may be. You know? 
Uh-huh. Running this industry, you do meet people that say one thing, but then they turn around and take your words and utilize it just to go ahead and put themselves over. Right. Or try to take advantage of something that happened and capitalize on them just so they could push forward. Persia, for example, I, I've helped her out numerous of times. And I hope that she hears this because she knows I have a very soft spot for that girl. I love that girl to death. And she's come a very, very long way. Like, I, I feel like the mother hen because I'm older than her. There's like a six-year difference between us. I kind of have her, like, hanging over here, like, don't touch her. She's my, she's like, she's like my child. You touch yeah. her? Yes, my precious. The only person, the only person that can hurt her is me. Don't get near her, okay? Uh -huh. So, but you have some women in this business that um, that do try to trample all over you, and they think, "Hey, I have two more years in the business than you do. Let me go ahead and just run over you." That don't mean shit. That doesn't mean anything. Right. Anything. And there's people in this business. Okay. Let's let's get a little bit real, and you know exactly what I'm about to say. I have a, a thing that I always do lives whenever I'm driving. I always like to do lives, like maybe like once a week, like back when wrestling was still, you know, active before the whole pandemic happened. Yeah. And um, I have him on uh, my lives. I have Mr. C on the lives, just so the three of us can talk about like what we've been doing, um, update on like merchandise and everything, because everybody wants to buy our merchandise, and we always give updates. And we interact with the fans too, like live Q and A's, things like things of that nature. Yeah. But there's always people that are like, I don't understand why you're doing lives and you're driving. You're not being a responsible driver. How many professional wrestlers do lives when they're on their way to a show? How <laughs> like that's like the most mainstream thing to do. Yeah. But then you want to go ahead and like microscope my my life and be like, hey, let me go ahead and attack you just so Wasn't I can like get... When, when she confronted you in person about she it? She confronted me in person, but like in person about it, it's like, are Jeez. you trying to... In front of people to try to embarrass her. Yeah. Really? But I'm, really. I'm the type of person, like, back then, maybe uh -huh. you could have done it. Nowadays, no, that doesn't fly. That yeah. doesn't fly. How many professional wrestlers do lives when they're on their way to events? Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't she, make any sense. And she said, oh, so if somebody offers you drugs, you're going to do it? Yes. And, and I went to her, and, I, and, I, and then I intervened. I said, yeah, I have cocaine in the car. You want some? I'm going to some cocaine right now. You and me, we can snort it all together before the show. I really didn't have cocaine, but I thought that was funny to do. Oh, my God. I said, bro, you can't just, you wanted to embarrass someone yeah. from my crew in yeah, front shoot. of your peers? That's not going to fly. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a girl or a man. You want to be treated as equal because you think you're a feminist. You think you're you're you want to treat equal. Well, I'm gonna treat you like an equal because right. everyone, okay, I believe that everyone is an equal. I'll be the first that I think everyone's an equal. So mm -hmm. if you disrespect me, man or woman, then I'm gonna have to say something about it. Yeah. Regardless, you know, there's a level, there's a line, of course, there's a line that you don't cross. Right. Yeah, but, that line was crossed. But if yeah. you disrespect me, I, I'm at least gonna say something about it, or at least I'm gonna do something to make you realize what you did. Oh, you know? of course, of course. You no, know, she went. She wanted to disrespect her in front of our peers. Uh -huh. Then I then I shut her up right there and then. I said, oh, yeah, right. I have cocaine. You want to go cocaine right now? We'll get smart. <laughs> right, yo, we'll be fine. We'll be good. And she's like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, I I understand about the, the line of respect. And there's a line that you don't you don't cross. You come, There's a line that you come to, but you actually, you don't. You don't cross that line because it shows it shows disrespect and it shows the caliber of the type of person you are if you do try to embarrass someone and try to you know make them look at this level and That's try to make you, yeah yeah I I get that I mean just recently uh, 
I was uh, told that, yeah, it was uh, hard for me to transition into one thing because of my Smart Mark podcast. So I'm trying to figure out how how is a smart how I don't know you know how the right words to say this how how I'm a smart when I'm talking to people like yourselves listening to and letting you tell your story about where you started and where you're going and where you plan on to go in the future. You know that's so, right. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure that out. Let me let me let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. A lot of people use the term mark. You got like, him started. No, no, no. Good job. You know I mean? <laughs> no, I'd like to hear I uh Labrava, I'd like to I'd like to get the I like to get the perspective in this because everyone has a different perspective on this. Yes, but I agree. I like to, I like to hear his perspective on it and I'll hear your perspective on it. So let's uh, go for it. A lot of people talk about the term mark. Yes. Yeah. And people fail to realize that the same people that criticize you for being a smart mark yeah. were marks growing up too. You know, the people that became wrestlers. I became a wrestler because I saw Goldberg, you know, coming into the ring, because I saw The Undertaker, I saw The Rock. Do I am I a mark now? Am I am I fanboying over a wrestler? No. Because I'm a professional and I'd rather wrestle with that wrestler than get their autograph. I don't want to take a picture with any wrestlers. I don't want any autographs with any wrestlers. I want to wrestle those wrestlers. Right. So that's that's my marking up when I get to do that and be a professional and get to the biggest stage that I can possibly get. Now, why are you criticizing people that are marks or smarts? Those are the people that pay the tickets to see you. You know? What are you out here criticizing these marks? The same marks? Wow. So, so how about, okay, so you're criticizing marks of wrestling? Start marking out about the New York Giants. Okay. Yeah. Start marking out about the the Yankees. Stop marking out over the Red Sox. Okay. Everyone is a mark in their own right. Yeah. So they need to shut up because maybe they they're talking about you being a smart because it's professional wrestling. It mark work it it, it works in every sport. There's yeah. a mark in every sport. You're a mark for your team. You're a mark for your sport. So you're criticizing this, yet you're out here playing your stupid fantasy football and you're wasting all your money on that, but yet you want to criticize someone because they, they want to see Brock Lesnar wrestle, you know, Roman Reigns or something? Yeah. How's that any different? I like get your take on this, LaBrava. <laughs> this is good. This is good. We're talking about it's something. It's thanks to people like you that were able to tell their story, so I don't... I don't, I don't see how it's considered Mark. You're giving us a platform to go ahead and tell our stories because, let's be honest, I mean, we don't know when our careers are going to get cut short, so nobody's going to be able to hear our stories unless we speak about them, unless a platform is given to us so we can go ahead and talk about it. We can't talk about this on a promo. We can't talk about this inside a wrestling ring. We can't do yeah. any of that. So platforms like this is the, is the opportunity to get, that gives an insight to us or to people to know, like, Hey, I wonder what kind of music they're into. Or, hey, I wonder what got them into wrestling. What was their favorite match? Dream Theater is, like, the best of all yeah. time. So I'm just going to put that on record. That's, like, the number <laughs> one artist band that we listen to, like, the three of us collectively on road trips. Um, but you said you said Linkin Park? No, Dream Theater. Dream Theater. Oh, yeah. Oh, God dang. I love, I love oh, fucking Dream we'll Theater. Oh, trust me. We'll go into detail. We'll go into detail. But, like... I grew up, well, like, my fondest memory of wrestling is the Montreal Screwjob between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels back yes. in the mid-90s. But my all-time favorite memory was the 1999 Chicago, Illinois debut in Raw against Dwayne Rock Johnson was Chris Jericho when 
everybody saw the Millennium Countdown, and I get chills talking about this because I will say this, I am a mark for this guy. I love the way that this guy works. If I could ever sit down one-on-one -on -one with Chris Jericho and just pick his brain, this guy has evolutionized from being Y2J to being like this sociopathic character to now being this colorful character in AEW, like the way that he just manifests and the way that he evolutionizes every single time, this guy never gets stale. Like, no. holy smoke. And he's an incredible shape for his age. He's always been my all-time favorite. His style, his promo skills, the way that he carries himself in the ring, the way that he can able to adapt from lucha to technical to hard to hardcore. Like, he's done it all. Uh -huh. I want to be like the almost like the embodiment of what he was. Will I ever be that? I don't know. I'm only two years in the business. I have a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. However, getting like he he's the reason why I'm in this because he's given us a platform and many others to go ahead and do what we do. So at the end of the day, we all became we were we were all marks, every single one of us. Yeah. But if I were to see Chris Jericho backstage, I would be like, oh my god, it's Chris Jericho. I've seen this guy during his Fozzie tours. I've seen this guy um, wrestling at NXT, WWE, mm -hmm. things of that nature. But if I were to ever see him backstage, hey, Jericho, it's a pleasure meeting you. My name is so-and-so. I just wanted to go ahead and pick your brain out and just like, can you yeah. tell me a little bit more about like, um, how was it like when you first started wrestling? Like, how is it different from back then to what it is now? I want to learn. Yeah. I want knowledge. That's what yeah. I want. Take I want knowledge. Take it back to right. what she said, two things. Uh, one, if you really want to mark out, as a professional wrestler, if you want to mark out for another wrestler, mm -hmm. someone that inspired you, the best way to do it is not taking a picture, exactly. it's not getting an autograph, mm -hmm. it's literally trying to have a conversation with them and saying, hey, is there something, is there any advice that you have for me? Is there anything you can tell me? Hey, you have a minute that you can tell me, I can tell you what I am, what do you think can help me? Right. That, right. that makes those wrestlers, that's good, they like that. Mm -hmm. Most professional wrestlers that made it will tell you that that's one of the main things that they like to do. They don't want to take pictures. They don't want autographs. They do that with the fans. They don't want to do that backstage. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they want to they help you grow. Right. So you go to them and you say, you, you come in there and you, and, you, and you open yourself up and you say, hey, is there anything you can tell me that can help me be better? Uh -huh. You know, and that means a lot more than a stupid picture that you can post on Instagram. Yeah. Like, to yeah. Get yeah. Lunch, when we you know? went to Puerto Rico, Eva Liz Velez, she was actually on the car for Fight Forever. And um, I, I don't know how I got the strength to do this, but I went up to her and I told her, "Hey, Elise, it's very nice to meet you. You know, she's a 15-year vet, and she's yeah. had a, she's has a lot of accolades. She's a very talented woman." Right. I went up there and I told her, "Hey, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit and just like, you know, I want you to go ahead and feed me the knowledge that you've obtained over the years because I think I could learn a lot from you, especially since a lot of people look at you as like one of the top female indie stars in the entire world." Yeah. And. 45 minutes of conversation, just conversating. 45 minutes backstage after she had her match, after the boys had her match, uh, their match, I should say. And then she told me, I'm surprised that a lot of people don't come up to me and ask me these questions. I want girls to come up to me and ask me these things because how are you going to get any better as a professional if you don't learn these things? I don't want to take pictures. I don't want to take autographs. Not from a professional. If you're a professional, act like one. Yeah. Come to me. And let me like, and I asked her, hey, when are you running your seminars? Like, when are you doing this? I would love to train with you one of these days. And she got happy with that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that professionals want, yeah. not to mark out. Right. Like it's a, there's, right. there's a professional line that you have to draw. But 
They give us the platform for us to go ahead and grab that knowledge and utilize it so we can be better. Just like you guys gave us a platform to talk about our story so we can tell you these things so we can inspire other wrestlers as well or people that want to be professional wrestlers. And also, professional wrestlers have some of the most interesting stories out there. I mean, you probably heard on the show The Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, yeah. I actually actually watched recently, I watched the uh, Crispin Wall. Because, I cried. Geez. I cried. That 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 right there, it just I I liked Chris Mawal. I enjoyed what he did in the ring growing up because I during the Monday Night Wars, I was a teenager during the Monday Night Wars. I was a senior in high school when all that was going on. And I remember watching Benwall and Malenko and Guerrero and uh, just what they did over on WCW, just in the cruiserweight division they had there. And then all of a sudden, when they showed up on Monday night, when they showed up on WWE, you had Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, and then uh, Perry Saturn. You you can't forget him. The Radicals coming in. I I said, because I used to watch wrestling with my father, and uh, my father passed away in 2012. Um, He, uh, growing up, I watched a lot of wrestling with him, and uh, I think we got rid of a or he threw out a bunch of TVs getting mad at uh, Ric Flair. <laughs> so, yeah, because he was a big Dusty Rhodes fan. But um, during the during the Monday Night Wars and stuff, when, uh, when they all came over to WWE, my dad was excited about it. Uh, at first, it's like he marked out, like, what the fuck are these guys doing over here? I saw them last week over here. What are they doing over here on this program? I said to my dad, I said, I don't know. Let's see what they'll do. Let's see what they can do. And they had great careers. I mean, they had great careers. Eddie Guerrero, man, he had one of the greatest, greatest careers, just the stuff he did. And I would say he is the, to me, he is the number one Latino wrestler of WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without, without doubt, without doubt there, man. I mean, you just, the the story and everything he went through to become champion. Same thing with Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit wasn't the biggest guy, but the guy had he skills. Like he was. What? He fought like he was. Yeah, he fought like he was. The, the guy had Chris Benoit had had that style too, man. He get in the ring intensity. there. Like the intensity yeah. you don't see anymore. No, you, you know, don't. That intensity in wrestling that Chris Benoit. That's why everyone liked Chris Benoit because he wasn't he wasn't the the best talker. Yeah, he wasn't. He did. He barely talked, and he talked. He talked a little bit, you know. Yeah. You know, he had a moment to talk, but that wasn't. He was just so intense in the ring mm-hmm. that that's all his actions spoke, you know. Exactly. And it's sad to see someone like him with such yeah. an amazing career go down the way that he did, and in a in a way, I mean, not in a way, but it completely tainted his legacy, you yeah. know. And it did. Us as wrestling fans are in this awkward middle where like man we really appreciate his legacy as a wrestler yeah but can we get over the fact of what happened you know right and so we're, we're left in this like middle because for a lot of us Chris Van Wall was probably one of our favorite wrestlers yeah and at he, the same time this atrocity happened and and we can't help but sympathize yeah with the situation mm-hmm. um so so it's it's some a lot of us are still Chris Benoit fans, but we don't even talk about it because it's yeah. because of the stigma. It's like taboo. You know, yeah, taboo. it is. It is. I I agree with you right there. I agree right there with you right there. It's the way the way I approach and look at Chris Benoit. It was the tragic of everything that happened. But when when I think of Chris Benoit, I 
of course that that pops in but also i look at his work his yeah. matches that he did and his career what he did in the ring i think more of that but yes. i do i do keep that in the back of my mind it's like wow that was that, do, that do was you feel like so, sometimes a little bit guilty watching some of his matches i well i was watching an old wcw pay-per-view yeah. And uh, not an old WCW pay-per-view. What the hell was I watching? Uh, no, I went back and watched uh, ECW One Night Stand. Yeah. Uh, 2005, the first one. Benoit right. was on there. Benoit came out. And for a minute there, I stopped, and I'm like, shit, it's Benoit. But I was like, you know what? I'm watching the pay-per-view. I'm going to watch this. This is part of yeah. the pay-per-view. So I sat there, and I watched it. I watched this match. And, of course, in the back of my head, I said, damn, what did you do? It kept trying to pop yeah. up front there and I'm like I'm like watching this match and I did think damn but as a wrestler I, yeah. I feel like Chris Benoit is one of the guys that you should study so yeah. like as a professional wrestler yeah. as someone who wants to learn and grow I, I feel like I have to watch matches that might include him because the, the intensity and the type of wrestler that he was is someone that a lot of people should study uh -huh. in wrestling um, and yeah it's unfortunate it's very terrible and unfortunate what happened yeah you know we don't have to go into details because we all know what happened everyone yeah. who's listening to this know know what happened but as a wrestler he's one of the most complete wrestlers out there yes and, and it's sad so that's it it is it's it's sad i'm gonna go back and watch some of the other uh dark side of the ring i was wanting to watch the new jack and i know they have some other oh, ones there super super great. great oh my gosh you saw the, the one with the yeah we saw the new jack have you seen the one with the bon Eric's? The bon Eric's was really good too. no i haven't um but that was rough that, was rough that yeah the, the von eric's man damn they pretty much they pretty much all died except one of them I believe that, that's, one of them. That's the saddest story. Yeah, wrestling. That is Chris Benoit. Those are the saddest stories in professional wrestling. Yeah, that's that right there. That's just yeah. That that's another that's another thing. But I did like the Von Erichs and the Freebirds feud, man. <laughs> that's some great. That's some great shit. Hey, um, you ever go on YouTube and go back and watch old like wrestling stuff? Like we'll say like NWA stuff, like Ric Flair, Four Horsemen stuff. I, here's something to check out, man, because I was searching for some stuff, and this is as real as shit it could get, but this was back then, and I was like, yeah. man, this is real. I remember seeing this as a little kid, because when I watched it, I said, I remember seeing this. I remember my dad yelling to cuss at the TV. He was, wanting to whip, he, he was wanting to whip the four horsemen's ass for what they did to Dusty, okay? the it's If you look it up on YouTube, what the shit i'm trying to think of what the name of it is the four horsemen is something like four horsemen jump dusty roads okay and it starts out with the you got tully okay you got tully in a in a jump uh suit he's in a cast and he he's looking like i was laughing at the comments someone said he they said he looked like one of those old evangelist preachers and he's sitting there and he's like he's like he's like he's like we're coming after you i mean him and only shooting or jj shooting jj dylan shooting a promo I mean, they're shooting on, they're going to whip Dusty's ass. And they said, oh, we, we, we made him pay. And then it showed them sitting in their car 
waiting, waiting um, for Dusty to come by. Dusty comes by in the car, so you got two cars following him. They following him when you got the guy in the camera, and uh, you hear you hear Tully shut your mouth. You got to do what I say. I'm paying you for this, and it's just you're laughing, just the the stuff they're going back, and. They followed Dusty to a parking lot. And as soon as Dusty Rhodes out, the camera's all shaking. It looks like something from Cops. There they are. They're sitting there. They got Dusty. They're beating his ass like four guys beating him down in the middle of the parking lot. And then, and this looks like out in the middle of like daylight. You're like, what the hell? If you, someone was walking by, I'm surprised they didn't get the cops called on them. They're beating his... Yeah, they're beating, they're beating, they're beating American Dream down, man. They threw him up against a truck and they tied him up and he's hanging there. And then Tully comes walking in with the cane, with the crutch, and he's sitting there hitting him in the stomach. And Dusty's like, Aah! and he's sitting there two by fours. I mean, they're just beating the shit out of him with all this stuff, man. And I'm like, I'm watching this. I'm like, damn, this is great. This is this is great for what it was back then, man. Thinking about calling cops. How many have you shot? of me like in Ewer City cutting a promo. Oh my gosh. And people yes. literally cross of people will come to us and will be like, Are you okay? Is he gonna hurt you? And stuff like that. And I'm like, no no no, we're just cutting a video, relax. <laughs> We had that happen on numerous occasions. We had actually, I think that the cops actually did get called. We got the cops called in two different occasions. Two different occasions, and then we're like, um, is everything okay? And we're like, um, we're professional wrestlers. We're cutting a promo. Um, yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> like, why are you here? You want to be part of the promo? You want to be part of the promo? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, get the cops there, man. <laughs> you're fifteen minutes of fame, brother. <laughs> Don't put you over, brother. <laughs> Protect and serve. <laughs> hey, um, now you mentioned about traveling down the road, listening to music. Um, before we before we started recording, you uh, made a comment about the shirt I'm wearing, which yes. was great. You guys are metalheads. I'm yes. metalheads. I'm pretty much I listen to uh, of a lot of everything. I I love the classics: Zeppelin, Sabbath, Doors, yes. The Who. Metallica, you know, even Slayer. I mean, that's my, yeah, that's my shit. Slayer changed my life. My senior year of high school, I met a good guy named Todd, and he's like, "What are you listening to?" And at that time, I'm like, "I'm listening, still listening to alternative, still trying to mourning over Kurt Cobain's death." And he's like, "Dude, you gotta listen to Slayer." I'm like, "What Slayer?" He handed me a cassette, and he's like, "Listen to this." I took it home, put my earphones on, cranked it up. Angel of Death. I was like, "Holy shit! What the fuck did I just listen to, man?" And it just stuck, man. It just stuck. And you mentioned, yeah, it's just great, great music. You listen to Dream Theater. What's uh, what's some of your favorite songs from Dream Theater? Mine is "Pull Me Under." I love oh that. Oh my gosh, yes, "Pull I Me Under" is a great song. I love that. Um, he. I'll say this. Um, not to make everything too long, but I started listening to Dream Theater a little bit before I met him, like a few years ago. Uh-huh. But I didn't really listen to much of it because I the only one that I knew was hold on, I'm trying to think of the song. Uh, the pressure keeps burning my soul. So yes. I started listening to Burning My Soul, and from there I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great band. But I never really had time to listen to it. Up until I met him, and I because, listened to Nightmare to Remember, and I listened yeah. to a Nightmare to Remember, and I was like, "Oh, this is magic!" And he actually showed me a documentary on how they ended up getting the new drummer, and I was immediately pulled even more. 
So Endless Sacrifice has to be one of my all-time favorites because I really, really love the transition of Endless Sacrifice. Hold Me Under, As I Am. Metropolis. Metropolis. The yeah. the entire like scene one, act one um, transition was great. Um, hold on, there was another one that I liked. Uh, the one, the enemy. The, en- enemy inside. the enemy inside is like one of my all-time favorites because I always go for like the dark, melancholy like messages like that Dream Theater loves to put. Um, another day is another one because like Dream Theater has this uncanny ability of changing their tempos and their melody yeah. and everything in between when you least expect it, and it's like. I'm watching magic. This is so great. Hard it's, eyes. Like this is super great. But. It's great. It's it's great. They 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 put they put out some really good really good oh, yeah. music and I I love it. I, I love it. Um I like new music. Uh I'm a big uh Slipknot fan and uh Stone Old Sour. Slipknot, great. Slipknot. That right there is on my bucket list. The one guy I want to interview is on my bucket list. He's at the top of interviews. I want to interview fucking Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor, yes. Yes, I do. I, I have his autobiography, The Seven seven, uh, the seven Sins. That right there, it's you You need to pick that up and read it. If you read books, guys, that right there is good because he goes through his whole life, but he uses The Seven Sins as like his life, like gluttony, uh, lust, wow. greed, everything and the opening up of the story where he was trying to oppress a girl and uh he was at a party and when he jumped off a bedpost and didn't realize the fan was on and was going to dive in and busted his ass right in front of everyone that that was fucking great and then and then he talks about getting breaking his arm and what led him to uh, becoming the, uh, the uh singer for slipknot wow yeah that stuff like that and then i have the uh um, uh, make me want to hate you or hear his rant where he goes on just ranting about everything like people, bad drivers in California to politics. Uh, I have his America 51 book. Um, I haven't got through it yet with him, his take on political views, uh, him going after the left and right, which is fucking great. And it's some great stuff, but he, he slipknot, man. I love fucking slipknot. Slipknot's great. It's an amazing. I like their old school stuff. Their new stuff. I haven't really taken much time to listen to it, but their old stuff was amazing. Oh my gosh, I grew up with them. A band that because I I I listen a lot to like Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden is Bruce Dickinson. It's the only one that matters. Black Sabbath, Dio, um, Dio, Sabotage, Sabotage, and a lot of that. But Mm -hmm. one band that because I don't listen too much to hardcore metal, even though I like it, I can listen to but one band that I like a lot is uh, Kill Switch. Kill, Kill Switch. Oh, God. Have that The fucking Kill Switch Engage music. I mean, their new album. God dang. I love... I love the signal fires. You have Howard Johnson, and you you got you got two singers, and they didn't even have to say introducing on the song because he's part of still part of that fucking band. And the if you saw the video to it, wow, the video, the single, the sing, the signal fires. Watch the video because uh, you got both singers of Kill Switch, and it's got positive reviews. Everyone loved it. They said, why don't these guys both tour together? And in the video, while they're both singing, there's a moment where they both give each other a little fist pump. Oh, that's great. Dude, just fucking killer song, man. That, I, like, I use that song, uh, Unleashed. That's mm-hmm. literally, that's my intro song. Yeah. I yeah. use Unleashed. 
That's such a good song. I think it's from their new album, right? Yeah. That yeah. Yeah, I was glad they got their they got their old singer back though, but I I I like the fact that they still I like have Howard. A, yeah Howard. I like Howard too. I like what he did when he was with the band, but I also yep. like the fact that they keep that good relationship. No no bad blood, no nothing. It's like if Howard came back tomorrow, they would let him come in and do some exactly. stuff. You know, that's that's how it should be. Um, uh, Eddie Van uh, Van Halen should take note on that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still pissed. I'm I, I like Van Halen, but I'm still pissed what they did with Sammy on his birthday. Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah, uh, yeah. That was that was unfortunate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, I'm more of a I'm more of a Hager fan than I am of uh, Hager. David Lee Roth. He changed my mind on that so bad because I used to be such a big David Lee Roth, but then I started listening to more to Sammy stuff, and I was like, Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is gold. It, it, what am I doing? What world am I living in? This is awesome. It is. I I grew up on the I grew up on the Roth era. When I was five years old, my um my life at five years old was Sesame Street, MTV with Billy Idol and Van Halen. Um, I got my ass whipped for jumping off the couch trying to do like David Lee Roth in the jump video. <laughs> yeah, I come flying up in the air. I kept on doing it, and that last time I did, um, my rear started hurt when I came back down on uh back down to gravity. My my mom <laughs> pow smacked the shit that's out of me. Awesome. Like, you tearing up the couch, get jumping off the couch. You know? He's like, that's so little. Yeah, and then I had to go in the bathroom and try to spike my hair like Billy Idol. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and then and then I found the Beastie Boys. Big no no. Boys are good. I don't listen yeah. to them as often as I should, but they're 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 a great talented bunch. License to ill, license to ill. I blew I blew my stereo speakers out one time uh, with the license to ill uh, playing Brass Monkey. <laughs> Fucking just all of a sudden, pow. The bass is that strong? Yeah, um, yeah. I I, t- I put too much bass into it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got drunk and I was like, yeah, let's crank some Brass Monkey. <laughs> it awesome. always happens when you're drunk. It's, I, it's always when you're drunk when you do the dumb stuff. Yeah, why is it? Why is it people do dumb shit when they're drunk? Um, they 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 get creative when uh when you have a little bit of a 420 in your life, but you do stupid yeah. shit when you're drunk. You know, you I mean the conversations is great because uh, I always the drunks who criticize the people who smoke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Always me. Yeah. Yeah. But if you haven't seen this since you're a metalhead. If you see the, um, I showed it to him and Mr. C recently, like, like a couple of months ago. If you haven't seen Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer playing together in Sofia, like, oh my gosh, they played the song Am I Evil? Yes. And it was amazing. If you have not checked that out, you need to, because like the way that Dave Mustaine and James Hetfield actually come together after the dispute that they had like years ago when they were when they were first touring together. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like to this day it still gives me chills because that's a really hard song to play. Yeah. Um and then you have like four guitars, four lead and four rhythm and then you have all the lead singers of every respectful band playing together and then like four drummers and then it's like a huge deal like everybody like I'm getting chills just talking about it like it's amazing. <laughs> if you have not checked that out you need to, especially since you're such a Slayer mark, then you definitely need to check it out. There you go, Turner. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you are the mark, brother. Yeah. Yeah, I love my Slayer. So I'm a Slayer mark there. Yeah, the big four, 
God, I yes. love I love the big four there because yeah, especially mm-hmm. with especially like you said with Dave Mustang and Metallica, this history. I'm glad they patched that up, and uh, I'm glad <laughs> Dave Mustang is doing so much better. Man, he was battling throat yes. cancer. God, that's scary yes. shit. When I heard about that, I was like, no, this makes me so sad. Like, they're, my favorite song, at least from Megadeth, it has to be Holy Wars. Like, it's that song is yeah. so freaking awesome. Metallica, I'm a huge Metallica mark, and I've been actually listening to uh, their most recent um, their most recent album, like the new school one, um, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, I think is the name of the Love album. It. That entire album is great. I don't yeah. think that there's one song in there that I don't like. But old school Metallica, you cannot beat them, especially when they came out with the Black Album. Yeah. And they're. Um, I know people that say that that Metallica album is not good. It's those people that hold on to nostalgia too much. Yeah. They're just too dumb enough to appreciate anything because they just hold on too much to that nostalgia. Yeah. I'm like, try to appreciate what's going on now. Like, yeah. Stop, like you don't have to listen to Master of Puppets all day. You know they have all their good stuff. Yeah. Listen to the other good stuff that they have. Fuel, King Nothing, um, the the Memory Remains, which is my all-time favorite. The Memory Remains is my all-time favorite. Yeah. Um, nothing else matters, but that's a really mainstream song. But it's still really good. Like I could go on for days about Metallica. They're yeah. the way that they came into the scene, starting from a cover band to getting signed, I think, by Century Records, and then moving on forward. It was like, holy smokes. You know a lot more about Metallica than I thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Like, I know like, my history. Like uh, like Metallica, I was I was telling someone the other day, I re- remember sophomore year in high school when Load Drop, Load and Reload, People, people oh hated gosh. that man. Yep. People hated it. That, well, it's but you know the funny thing is at that time right there, people hated it. I remember in high school like fuck Metallica, they suck now. And then all of a sudden they 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 quit listening to Metallica. And then that's when uh, Pantera's Great Southern Tread Treadkill came out. And so they were blasting that. But now years, all these years later. The same people I knew back then. I'm like, hey man, it's just like we'd have t- conversations. It's like you still listen to Metallica. He's like, yeah man. He's like, yeah, I listen to Load and Reload, man. I like Feel. I'm like, motherfucker, you told me you didn't like that song back 20 years ago. What the fuck, you know, they man? Didn't like it. They didn't like it back then because it was a cool thing to do. Yeah, it yeah. Was a trendy thing to do to not like something. Yeah. You know? It's like yeah. all these people are like, I don't like Nickelback because Nickelback. Yeah. It's like, bro, you don't like it because nobody else like it. But in the back in your house when no one's looking, you're singing photographs, so shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do now do that? No, I don't do that. Okay. Nickelback's <laughs> first album. Nickelback's first album. I love that. That that was good. They had some good songs on there, a good feel to it. It's kinda like Deftones. Deftones first album, that is pretty damn good, and then their second album was really good. But I mean, just I I do like the old material because you can always go back to that and you can jam it out and stuff. And the new material, depending on who it is, I like some things and I may yeah. not. It's, yeah, it's, it's very. Yeah, like, it's it very. Mm-hmm. Metallica did a good job, I think. Yeah, they, they did a good job in, in coming out with something new that is actually really good that you can listen to alongside with some of their other stuff, old stuff, and it can be comparable. And yeah. the guitars got better. Oh yeah, my gosh. the guitars got way better too. Rick Rubin, man. The new album. Rick Rubin, I think getting Rick Rick Rubin was the best thing they did. Wouldn't you like to have been in the room in that conversation there when they go to Rick Rubin and uh, it's like, okay, what are we going to do for the sound and everything for this album? And you know, got Rick Rubin sitting there and he's like, yeah, man, you need to go back to 1984. <laughs> 
You need to start playing 1984. I know Lars would probably be like, be like, why we had to go back 1984? It's like, that's where your fan base He's is such at. such a great drummer. Oh, my God. Oh, Lars yeah. is amazing. He is. He is. He is. I would have liked to have been in, the con- in that room for that conversation, there. <laughs> that would have been oh, fucking great. And then, you know, because Rick, yeah, I mean. I saw a video of Robert Trujillo playing, playing like, Spaniard, like, guitar. Yeah, and Kirk Hammett like with his mouth open, like this guy is shredding more than me. What am I supposed to do with myself? Yeah, there, now there's a rare video. There's a rare video out there uh, you can find on YouTube of Pantera uh, playing covering a Metallica song. If I can remember which one it is, I think it's the uh, Four Horsemen or uh, Jump in the Fire or no Metal Militia and Philomonzo. Okay. Is playing guitar and Dimebag Daryl singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's rare. It's rare. It's an old one, man. It was probably around the time of Virgil Display of Power. Um, in between around and there, Cowboys from Hell. But that's something to check out. If I was, if I was uh, going to listen to one album for the rest of my life from one of you, each of you guys, what album would that be? From what band? No, what uh, if I rec- rec- recommendation? Let's say like, I'm on a desert island, and both of you give me a CD to listen to. What CD should should that be? What's Your that favorite one, CD? What's that one Dream Theater one? Uh, the one that I'm like really really stuck on right now. Thoughts. Oh, uh, Train of Thoughts. Train of Thoughts from Dream Theater. That CD was amazing. That entire album was fantastic. Okay. Uh, listen to it all day. If I were to play, because we, I like listening to Dream Theater because it, it's one of those bands that has a little bit of everything. Um, like if you're listening to metal, you know you're gonna get like a lot of, you know. So yeah. Dream Theater uh, does a little bit of like a little bit of everything. So you can you get that, but you also get a slow pace. You also get this. You also get that. I like either Images and Words or um, Metropolis too. Okay. Okay. All right. Excellent. I, I love it. I love it. I'm definitely going to have to go back now and listen to those. <laughs> Thanks for the recommendation. Thanks for the recommendation. I have to ask you now, because okay. you've been asking us a lot of questions. Would you consider Disturbed to be a great band? And if you answer improperly, I might have to clothesline you. <laughs> you can't. We're social distancing right now. <laughs> we're, we're social distancing. Do I consider Disturb a great band? 1999, I, when I was listening to new music, I've been listening to them since 1999. Yeah, they're a great band. They're a great band. I, I enjoy them. I, honestly, yeah, I enjoy them. I enjoy them. I'm trying to get used to their new stuff. It's taking yeah. a little bit while, but... Yeah, but when, when they came out, yeah. they came out swinging. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was it. Everybody thought they were gonna take over. Streak mm-hmm. and stupefy, down with the sickness. You have like all these great songs. It's like yes. But after a few yeah. years, they couldn't keep that consistency. That was the only problem. Yeah, they just what it is. Um, someone compared them to how they progressed with their music to uh, Queen's right. Queen's right. Okay. Yeah. If you look at uh, if you look at their second album, believe that's almost like a progression of how Queen's right. Because that album has some really good songs. It still has it. It's heavy, but song-wise, material-wise, structure-wise, it's still a good album. Even yes. uh, 10,000 Fist was more of like a, remind me of throwback to Down With The Sickness. But yes, yes. They have evolved as a band. Because 
it's like anything. You don't need involved. You're going to be left behind, yeah. right? Well, I'll, I won't even take it a step further. You know who's also involved as a band, but I have to get used to their new stuff? Godsmack has to be one of them because if you look at old Godsmack compared to their newest album, yeah. their new album sounds really, like, mainstream now. And I listened to the album, the entire album, to give it a shot. And I'm like, okay, it's it's a good album, uh-huh. but it's... That's a trend. Very different. Have you noticed so a trend, though? Different. Yeah. A trend is that a lot of the new metal bands or the bands that came out during the new metal phase... A lot of those bands became very mainstream towards like later on. Yeah. Like the old school metal bands didn't do that. Yeah. The old school metal bands kind of stuck to what they were good at. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And but the new metal bands, a lot of those, or a lot of bands that came out during the new metal time, started becoming a little bit more pop. Yeah. As the years went by, yeah. and that was a trend. Like Linkin Park became really pop. Yeah, Linkin Park. Um, I can't listen to them anymore. I, I, I can't. I can't. I loved their first two albums, and then when I started trying to listen to all their new stuff, it just didn't get to me. Now I do like one song that's poppy. Um, uh, building It Up, We're Gonna Burn It Down, that song. You know? I, I, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we build it up, we burn it down. I love oh. that. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to recognize the melody. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, the one from uh, Transformers, that, that, that don't even phase me because I've heard that song too many times. But, um, uh, it's yeah, not you, a bad song. It was just one of those songs that yeah. just like, it, it hit every radio station. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we get yeah. it. It's Linking Park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. It's just after Chester Chester passed away, it's just yeah. it's it's yeah. hard for me because I'd be in the uh, in my car listening to uh, Sirius XM and then I'd have it on like one of the channels there and Linkin Park comes on and I sit there for a little bit and I was like, <sighs> I, I, I can't yeah. do it. I, ju- I just can't do it, man. I can't do it. Um, even uh, one of my favorite bands from the 90s, um, I, I still have a hard time listening to now. I don't know what it is. Uh, Soundgarden. I love Soundgarden. I was about to say, I like Soundgarden. Yeah. yeah. Alice in Chains. Now, I love Alice in Chains. I love the singer that they got because that guy can, uh, he can fucking sing, man. And he can sound like Lane, too, if he needs to. He has yeah. a good range. That's what yeah, I like yeah. about him. Yeah. But I'm talking about like the the first albums like that, you know, like oh, not, yeah. not like newer, like yeah, you know, the Here Comes the Roots, like those songs and all that. Those. Oh God, I love it! I love it. Uh, I in my study hall class in high school, <laughs> I had a jean jacket which I still have. My wife's like, "Why don't you throw that thing away?" It's like, no. no that's memorabilia. What? What? That's like memorabilia. Why would you want to throw that away? I know. That's well, the thing's been through hell, and I still have it. <laughs> the worse the, worse the well, list, the better. It's like like having Converse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got those. Those things uh, rotted away, finally. But, um, yeah, I had to. But um, <laughs> this uh, jean jacket I got in the study hall in high school, I was sitting there, and I took a Sharpie marker, and I yes. drew on the back of it. The inside of the dirt CD, the the, the design from Alice in Chains that yeah. the I drew that on the back of that je- uh, jean jacket when I was about eighteen. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> I still have it, man. I still have it. Uh, I'll one day I'm gonna pull it out and just uh, you know those uh, then and now photos. I thought about yeah. doing pulling up. I still got the outfit. 
I believe, some of it from. So you're gonna take a picture from back then, and then you're gonna put the same jacket on now. Yeah. Do the ten year challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do that. Actually, I did that. Um, my picture came out with me holding a phone as a skeleton. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> The age progression thing didn't work too well for me, <laughs> but um, but I I've really enjoyed talking with you guys today, and this is this has been great. Um, anything you want to say before we we close out? Um, no, anything got, you want to promote? Okay, how about you uh, say what you got to say? You know, no, I think you're I've caught enough heat for one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, where where can people? find and keep up with LaBrava and Salvazar on social media at? So on Facebook, you can find me as a LaBrava wrestler because I don't have a last name. So just put LaBrava wrestler. Or I'll be changing it very soon to LaBrava Six Cents, um, which, uh, quick funny story, I checked my bank account and I literally have six cents in my bank account. And I have the nickname The Six Cents. So The Six Cents <laughs> Literally has six cents in her bank account right now. Um, so you can find me on Facebook um, at LaBrava Wrestler. You can find him on Facebook as Salazar Executioner. Um, you can find Mr. C as, uh, is it Mr. C or Senor C? Senor C. Senor C. Or SR period space the letter C because uh, he's very fancy. Um, you can find us all collectively on Instagram as at LaBrava Mayhem. As at Salazar Executioner, I believe, yes. Yep, and, and then at Senor Say for Instagram. And then as a group, at Inc.Controversial. And we have a YouTube page um, for Controversial Link, which is literally Controversial Link. And then we all have Twitter, which um, La Brava Official. I don't know what the hell mine is. <laughs> <laughs> just look up Salazar or, or go through my Twitter account and just find Salazar and then go through my Twitter account to also find Mr. C. And then, no, we do not have TikTok. No, we don't have TikTok. We yes, don't believe he does. TikTok. He does? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has TikTok? Let's not talk about that now. Oh my god, no. No! <laughs> we don't have TikTok. No, we don't have TikTok. <laughs> Um, but we all have Twitter. Um, I think it's Con Inc. Official for Twitter. Uh -huh. If not, I will uh, send you the details. Please um, help us. Um, but yeah, we're very active on social media. We try to respond to people as quickly as we can. We've been way more active now because of the And if we don't pandemic. respond to you, it's because we don't want to. Exactly. We saw yeah. your message. We just don't want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but we're very active. We do go live to do like live Q&As with our fans. We're very interactive with them as well. So anytime, hit us up for like merchandise details or when our next show is. Right now, we're trying to build our website right now online and just get an online shop going so that way we can go ahead and start giving the fans what they want during this pandemic um, and just everything else in between. We love our fans. We really, really genuinely enjoy them. He might not. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's... You're the we, nicer one of the three. I'm the nicer one of the three. But yeah. I have I have a, a no-filter thing, too. So uh, once I stop, I mean, once I start, I can't stop. So... Yeah. Um, but during this pandemic, I mean, we're trying to keep as active as we can, putting out fresh content. We have actually, like, a little mini-series that's coming out on our YouTube channel, too, so please check that out. Yeah. Um, it's just to kind of give an insight of what happens during our personal lives, but things do get a little controversial in between. So basically, one of the titles uh, has not been defended in a very long time that Mr. C has, and I decided to challenge him for it, but not a match. 
which means that I can challenge him. Like, if I can beat you in this, then I take the title. So that's, that's a way to pass this pandemic. You know, maybe if I beat him in an arm wrestling contest or whatnot, you know. Or maybe I take a thumb wrestling match, you know. it's Whatever, you know. <laughs> nice, or nice. Or whatever, whatever, whatever. So it's just a little thing to kind of, you know. Yeah. The time going because we don't have that much wrestling. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys are you're safe and uh, you're doing everything to uh, you know to social distancing to everything that they're telling us to do and I'm glad everything's all right and you yeah. guys are healthy you're um, you're putting content out there and I want to want to thank you for coming on and before I do and I do want to throw my own plugs out here real quick podcasting yes. network the official what host of the Everett Lee show <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I got a mark out on my uh, social media right here brother <laughs> podcastcity.net for the Everett Lee show follow them on Facebook podcasting network and on Twitter at podcastcity.net you can follow them on YouTube subscribe podcasting network and on Twitch podcasting network more the Everett Lee Show on Facebook, Everett Lee Show, Twitter at the Everett Lower Score Lee, Instagram, Everett Lee Show, audio portion of this podcast and previous release podcast, YouTube, the Everett Lee Show, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Podbeam, and iHeartRadio. And uh, that is it for the Everett Lee Show. I want to thank my guest for coming on t- today, Controversial Inc. And uh, we'll see you again next time for the Everett Lee Show. Thank you.